On today's episode of The Corner Booth, Mulraney and I talk about Tiger and Peyton versus Phil and Brady, golf and NASCAR returning to our television screens last weekend. Is sports ready to make a comeback? We finish up with the Last Dance documentary, the Jordan Bulls saga coming to an end, and Belmont announcing that the uh, Belmont Stakes will be back on June 20th. Big stuff. All right. But first, we have a word from our sponsor, Quite On Cue. Quite On Cue is a brand new Twitch stream focusing on role-playing games. If you are interested in watching some of the best stories unfold with an entertaining and talented streamer, check out Quite On Cue. For those looking for a more competitive stream, check out his stream on FPS Fridays, where the focus is shifted to first-person shooter games. Q streams on evenings during the week, usually from 8p to 10p. For a more definite schedule, subscribe on YouTube and follow him on all socials at QuiteOnQ, Q-U-I-T-E-O-N-Q, and be sure to check out his stream at twitch.tv slash QuiteOnQ. That's quite, like right, on Q. All right, everybody, let's roll. Episode 18 of The Corner Booth, Mulraney and I back in action, coming to you from your favorite Skype uh, near you, and we're back, ready to roll. Mike, what's up, brother? We are on the precipice of professional sporting events. It's big news coming in, coming down the pike um, the last couple of days. Uh, some of the governors and some of the most uh, critical states, we should say, States that we thought were going to be far off in reopening are now saying that professional sports can start as early as May 31st. New York being a big state with a ton of professional sports teams, they say they'll be ready for sports back in action the first week in June. This is big stuff. What do you think? You think it's happening? I think it's incredible, and it speaks to the economic drivers that sports teams are, where as soon as you saw even leagues like MLS or Major League Baseball talk about we'll play everything at the wild, wide world of Disney Resort or we'll play everything in Florida or Arizona. Then these states, the governor, Gavin Newsom in California, who was yeah. saying they weren't going to play pro sports in California until next year started to say all of a sudden now no fans is fine in June. In New York, where we've had a lot of back and forth about whether or not parts of the state can reopen, now, Governor Cuomo is saying we're looking at sports starting in June. Texas is saying May 31st. All of the big states with three, five, seven pro sports teams in them that have to finish their seasons are saying it's time to get things going again. You make a great point about sports being an economic driver, and it really is. They know that if they bring sports back to their states, money is going to start rolling in some way or the other. Um, especially as we enter into these phase twos where I live, we're in phase two starting tomorrow, which is going to be half capacity at department stores, a quarter capacity at restaurants. You get your hair done. Now you get your nails did all that type of stuff starting to open up. And we're seeing that around the country. Now, I think it's a huge uh, step in the right direction that we get states like New York, like California, like you mentioned, because those states were the ones that we felt were going to, push the COVID restrictions as far as they could go. And now that they seem to be saying, all right, we're ready for sports without fans. Uh, that's the big caveat. It's fine by us though. The viewer 
we had an opportunity over the weekend, we'll talk about that, to watch some pro sports. It wasn't great, but it was just a little something. Um, we are all comfortable with having sports without fans at this point, and I think that is the main takeaway. Uh, we need some type of professional sports, as Mike always says, and if they're going to do that without fans, so be it. The without fans is interesting. We heard Joe Buck say the NFL on Fox this year is going to pipe in artificial noise in the broadcast. We know that there's always rumors that stadiums pump in extra noise. It was a big rumor in the RCA Dome in Indianapolis and the Superdome in New Orleans that they play crowd noise over the speakers. This would just be for our benefit. Which, in the NFL, you can't see the stands anyway because we're so focused on the line of scrimmage. But to hear the noise or the reaction would be interesting, and I would be fine with that. I have no problem with them pumping in artificial noise. It's no more real than the yellow line. Right. I don't think – I think for football and hockey, it makes perfect sense. For some reason, with basketball and baseball, it seems odd to me because I think you can see more of the stands in those sports – yeah. Uh, even hockey might be a little weird, but you make a good point with football. With the artificial noise being pumped in over the broadcast, I think that would be fine. I think it would make it feel more of like a big game because that's what's going to start happening. We're going to roll around into playoff baseball time, playoff NBA time. We get big Sunday night football games, and there's going to be nobody in the stands. It's not going to have that big game feel like it usually does unless there's some type of artificial noise yeah. coming through. You know, you can have the big game voice of Al Michaels, Joe Buck, Gary Thorne, yeah. uh, Mike Breen, whoever you want to pick, Doc Emmerich, all these guys. But if there's no crowd noise, it's definitely going to seem odd for the yeah. first couple of weeks getting used to it. If they come back and they do playoff basketball and we have a guy like Kevin Harlan where a big dunk happens and he goes, with no regard for human life, but you can hear it echoing throughout the stadium. It's going to get real weird. There's a part of this that's going to get weird. Steph Curry said this week, the casual fan is going to become much more aware of just what kind of trash talk happens in the 21st century, which which would be a great parlay from the Jordan documentary of Gary Payton, who was one of the preeminent trash talkers of all time. And, you know, we'll get into this. Well, we the episode was two weeks ago where yep, MJ saying I had no problems with the glove with Gary Payne being <laughs> one of the best trash talkers of all time. Um, we'll start to figure out who's the trash talkers of the 21st century. Like, I would love to find out Giannis talks trash. I'm sure Draymond Green does because he's kind of old school that way. But we're going to get an understanding of who's out there saying what. Yeah, maybe I'll get, maybe I'll feel that the NBA isn't as soft as I've perceived over the last ten years. Mm-hmm. I I miss the old school NBA, you know, '90s Knicks, '90s Bulls, get you in the paint and just crush you type of basketball. Yeah. So maybe if they mic everybody up and go on a ten second delay, maybe this will be interesting and get to see what's going on. I think baseball should do the microphone on everyone like they did in spring training. If I there's not going to be thought. anybody in the stands, we might as well. I want to hear. Miguel Cabrera talked to guys at first base. Like, I want to have, they say Pujols is a big talking to guys at first base kind of person. Todd Helton used to be. I would love to have like a first base cam where these guys are talking to each other. Something I think they like should that. do that for the first couple of weeks for sure, just to kind of 
bring a fun aspect to it and, yes. and show that the guys are out there enjoying themselves. I don't think you want that going on during the playoffs, but during the regular season, I don't see why not. I think especially yeah. for the first couple weeks, um, that would be fine. Yeah. Um, look, I, I think if we're able to play the, any of these seasons, if we finish the NHL and NBA season, man, it is such a blessing. I pray yeah. that we get this opportunity to finish these seasons and have some playoffs to watch. Because regardless of the layoff, I, you know what? I think because of the layoffs, each playoff game will mean more to us as a viewer and might even mean more to the players. Just be like, you know, we don't know when this is going to be taken away from us. It can happen at any point. Yeah. And I think the significance of those games is going to come through even without fans. Screw the fans in the seats. All the fans will watch from our TV sets and be thrilled to be watching these athletes out there. Yeah. The what we're, What's really going to be enjoyable about the NBA and the NHL restarting here is these guys are going to be fresh now. Very. You're not going to have 55 games of wear on Giannis and Kawhi and Paul George and LeBron and all of these guys who you want to see at the height of their powers in the playoffs. They I might think be what little... they should do is give each team eight games. Yeah. So play play eight games um, and then start the postseason. Now, if you're eliminated from the playoffs, like say the Knicks, I don't know how inclined you were going to be to go out there and play eight games um, and risk injury, but I think that it would have to be if the players' union agrees to it, then they got to go out there and play, right? Or they don't yeah. get paid. So I'm sure they'll go out there and play the eight games. But I think I, I think it would be uh, ill-advised to just jump back in and start the playoffs because yeah. I think you got to give these guys some time to gel together for five, eight, ten games, and then boom, we start the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that will be so exciting to get yeah. those going on with baseball. Um, and golf all starting at the same time. Uh, this is going to be the best July of our lives. Usually in July, you get maybe the red versus white practices at Oklahoma or college football like that. But you're kind of in the doldrums of the baseball season. For sure. You're Before getting you get into pennant chase baseball, yeah. Yeah. So July, you look at the restart of basketball, opening day in baseball maybe – they were talking what Fourth of July weekend. Right now you have playoff basketball, playoff hockey, opening day, <laughs> all in a row. You're gonna have probably the best sports July we've ever seen, ever in the history of the world. And the NHL has already said we talked about this. They said that uh, they would be willing to finish their season and then not start the season until after Thanksgiving and just continue with that for the foreseeable future. Which right. I am. Totally in for it. If we get playoff hockey in the dead of summer, uh, when the Dodgers are up 20 games on whoever, that would be phenomenal for me. The the NBA and the NHL pushing their seasons back is going to be excellent for people who still pin their hopes on the late fantasy football chase. We're like, oh, I'm two and five, but if I win out, yeah, here I come. Yeah. And then you're then you're not being sucked into the NBA or the NHL. You're kind of just riding out, hey, Deshaun Jackson is the only available wide receiver. Let me see if I can get a run. Maybe I get one of those two catches, 160 in a touchdown <laughs> game out of Deshaun. So uh, the the late summer, early fall sporting event here, setting that up for the future is going to be fantastic. I oh, hope that... watches the NBA and the NHL um, during football season anyway. Yeah. So, start it, so, so just start it late. You'll get, you'll get more viewers anyway. 
I would love for this to inspire the NBA to condense their playoff schedule. I know that they have the big 40 games and 40 nights, and it's a big thing for TNT. I don't need to see the eighth-seeded Brooklyn Nets play Milwaukee twice, once on Sunday, once on Wednesday, and then not play again till next Sunday. Like, they should cut that first-round series down to five games like yeah. it used to be. It's pointless to have that series the five games. The 5-7-7-7 seven, seven, seven was the best version of the NBA playoffs. Yeah, because it gives the it gives the underdogs a chance. Now, how many times is an eight seed going to d- take down a one seed in a yeah. best of seven? You might catch them three times, and we've seen we've seen some two sevens, one eights, three sixes go to seven games yeah. and pull upsets. But in seven games, it doesn't happen as often. And that first round of the playoffs in the NBA is brutal to watch yeah. uh, because you know the, the 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 teams you're tuning in for, right? LeBron and the Lakers, Giannis and the Bucks, the Celtics. Uh, the Rockets, the Warriors, when they were loaded. yeah, Those are the teams you want to see, and they're blowing the eight seed out of the water. That's not fun. So, yeah. And then you get into those middle-of-the-road, like, four or five matchups. It's like Nuggets versus Spurs. Nobody Hawks, cares. Pacers, pass. Right, no, right nobody cares. <laughs> so get these series down to five games and let yeah. them be interesting. Let some upsets occur. That's why baseball is – playoff baseball is great because – you get upsets in the first in the in the in the first round yeah. more common than not. How many times does the best team in the regular season in baseball win the World Series? Very very rarely. So I think yeah. that five game first round is good for sure. I would love to see the NBA go back to that. But you're right, Mike. We could be in for a phenomenal July if things keep progressing the way they are now. Knock on wood. We yeah. don't know what's going to happen with the health crisis, but I personally think. These governors, especially Newsom and Cuomo, wouldn't be coming out saying we're ready for sports if they had some insider knowledge that the general public isn't privy to, to where they're getting information saying you guys will be fine in a few weeks. This is starting to level out. We're getting to a point where we can get people out in the open a little bit. It is uh, very dangerous for an elected official to give people false hope, especially when it comes to, one, the pandemic and two, professional sports. Because right. I'm yeah, out of things to stream. I'm done with streaming. I have nothing left to stream. So I need the sports thing to come back, especially now that we're Sands Last Dance. Like, this is all I have now. So these governors going out and saying, hey, I know we said the fall. I know we said next year. But if no one comes to these games, which in the Barclays Center is a problem for the Nets, but if nobody comes to these games, and we just do trainers, players, we might be able to get this off the ground. And I'm here for that. I love that they're putting the pressure back on the leagues to get this done. I think uh, this is kind of a big brain, like, you know, Pepe, Sylvia, like, it's always sunny connecting the strings. But if they open up sports, right, right now. Yeah. Where I live, we've already loosened the restrictions on gatherings, so you can get together now with 10 people, yeah. and after tomorrow, you're going to be able to get together, I think it's like 50 people. Yeah. So here's what I think is going to happen. People are going to be so excited to watch sports, it's going to be the summer. People are going to have parties all summer long, inviting people over, and what are you going to do? You don't want to cook. You've been cooking this entire quarantine. We're going to order out. We're going to order out and buy food. We're going to go to the grocery store and spend more to have people over. The economy is slowly going to come back because of sports. 
People are going to start upgrading their packages on their TVs again. Yeah. Uh, people are going to be seeing sports being played. They're going to want to feel active. They're going to want to get outside. It really is a trickle-down effect. And I personally think that because, and on top of all what I just said, with sports coming back, there will be a tremendous sense of normalcy returning to people's lives. Yeah. And I think it'll go a long way in people that are dealing with this pandemic and trying to move on and trying to get some more normalcy in their life. I think sports can play a huge role in that in a completely different but not so different uh, way. We saw sports heal a country after 9-11, uh, reeling from a terrorist attack. Sports, baseball specifically, came together and really yeah. brought the country together. I think a lot can be said for sports coming back uh, and really returning somewhat normalcy to a completely chaotic and tragic mm -hmm. last couple months. Baseball really excels at these moments. And it's because, and we talk about this on the podcast a lot, baseball is comfort. Baseball is normalcy. It's like going to work. Your team plays five, six games a week. You come home from work, you eat dinner, you take off, you take off your shoes, you eat dinner, your favorite team's on. You have another it's chance all night today. Long. Yeah. You have another three hours today. Your team has a chance. It's another day. And that's why baseball gives us so many great moments. And this is a chance of, hey, Dodger Stadium might be empty. City Field might be empty. Yankee Stadium might be empty. Fenway might be empty. But you're going to see your team. You're going to see your guys. You're going to be able to, in, here in New York in a couple weeks, have a beer. Down there where you are, have two or three friends over, eat a pizza, hang out, watch the game. Like There's going to be a normalcy to that that's going to be very healing. This also brings up the point of people traveling. Like, you could come down here, visit, yeah. we'll do some stuff, watch some games. And our podcast, and just normalcy in the sense that I can text you and we can talk about how bad the Mets bullpen is. Yeah. Or we can talk about how the Dodgers are going to choke again. There's that normalcy between sports fans that I think we're desperately craving because yeah. you make a good point. The streaming is over. I've streamed everything. Yeah. Okay. I want to, I've never thought I'd say this. I want to go back to work. I want sports to be back. I just want that normalcy back because when you're, you're 100% right. And if you're not a sports fan, if you're not a baseball fan, you don't know what Mike's talking about. But you get home from work, you throw on the Mets game, you throw on the Sox game. And for me, it's great. I have the baseball package. I throw on an East Coast game. And then I get ready for my Dodgers to go on at 10 o'clock and I just sit there and veg out and eat popcorn and relax, yeah. throw a dip in and hang out every night. It's, it's comforting. It's soothing. It's what feels right. And that's why we need sports back. Uh, very well said, Mike, but uh, we did get a little taste of sports over the weekend. Um, a four man golf charity event, which they raised money for a great cause. They raised money for the CDC and for the American nurses foundation. Ricky Fowler, Matt Wolf, Dustin Johnson, and Rory McIlroy. Um, I did bet on this, by the way. Um, I took Rory and Dustin Johnson, minus 175, and they won on the last hole closest to the pin. That, uh, look at you starting the new sports season 1-0. Look, stuff like that doesn't happen to me. I usually lose when it comes down to the wire. And winning like that, I don't want to jinx anything, but I think if sports come back, we could be looking at the 2020 summer of Kevin. A lot similar to the Seinfeld summer of George. 
I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but I did well in the UFC fights. I did well in the golf. Yes, I also took a couple uh, NASCAR uh, props. We're doing well. I did lose, however, back-to-back Bundesliga soccer games, but... You can't break. You can't make an omelet without breaking some eggs. But you're nearly undefeated on American soil. Um. Yes, I am undefeated on American soil. I'm yeah. up two and zero on American soil. Yeah. And great that, spin zone by you. That's why I love you. This is this is the things that people like us talk ourselves into. Where like on an NFL Sunday, you could be great at the one o'clocks, and then the four o'clocks happen, and you're rooting for damn Derek Carr. To go down the field and score a touchdown with three and a half minutes left to hit the over. And you're just like, I just want to finish one and four at the four o'clocks for the love of God. And you're just praying to get back. Yeah. yeah. So that, that, you know, we're used to that stuff. You're American soil. Those are the bets that count. The Bundesliga soccer, I couldn't find it on TV. I didn't have time to scout the pregame show or check the injuries. Bundesliga felt like spring training to me. I was just like warming up. It was just good to like text my guy and be like, all right, you know, we're ready to go. Yeah. And I think you're right in the sense that, um, well, here's the thing. If we get all these sports together at one time, it could be very bad for us in yeah. the sense like we don't get paid enough to be having four professional sports being played at the same time. Oh, no, I. I would be back to selling my blood plasma in no time. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be back to like waitering and bartending like quickly <laughs> for the second job if we start. If, if, because here's the thing. Hockey normally wouldn't be an issue. But if you throw me playoff hockey with playoff hoops and like a couple good pitching matchups on a Wednesday, I'm in trouble. And I can admit yeah. that. I'm in trouble. All, all of a sudden, you're staying up. It's Sunday. It's 1 o'clock in the morning. And you have the Lakers, Clippers over. The Kings, Hurricanes under. And then you have Kershaw over seven and a third innings pitched. And all of a sudden, right. it's 1 o'clock and all of those things are happening at once. Right. You got your phone going. You got the laptop going. You got the TV yeah. going. You're trying to keep up. It could be ugly real quick, but um, it's going to be worth the risk for sure. I will say that the ability to have all of that going on, if we get it, is going to be incredible. It's just going to be incredible. And it's going to be something like we've never experienced. Um, uh, the, uh, the golf coming back is nice, especially because we got to see it. It was, a, it was, it was cool to see them carry their own bags and have them yeah. liked up capability of everything. So that was cool to see. Golf is coming back in three, three, four weeks now, I think. Yeah. Um, and we get leading up to uh, this weekend. It was good to have some golf because this weekend coming up, um, we have the Tiger Peyton Manning versus Phil and Brady yeah. uh, matchup. So I think that's going to be fun. I'm obviously going to watch. I think everybody's yeah. going to watch because you have four legends playing golf together. I think yeah. it'll be funny. Um, what, what's your take on this? Are you ready to ready to watch this? I saw that one of the props this weekend is they can only play the fifth hole with one club. I did see that. So they might have to go like pitching wedge off the tee, or you. I think have, you go like five iron. 
Yeah, because you could putt and, with a five iron if you had to. Yeah, and they're talented enough to like hit like yeah. if it's a par. I'm assuming it's probably a par five that they're gonna play yeah. with one club. If it is, I think you got to play. If you're Tiger, I mean, I think yeah, you play like a five iron. Tiger might play like a seven iron. Yeah, uh, just to have a little bit more control going into his third shot. But yeah, that'll be interesting. This is also before we keep going. We want to tell you guys that once all the sports come back, the corner booth is still going to come out every single week, but we will also start popping up with some uh, additional episodes of the corner booth that'll have a heavy gambling feel to them, and we'll talk all the lines and all that stuff, so we'll have a bunch of different guests in. Um, So that'll be exciting, too. But yeah, back to the golf. Um, I think you got to play it with like a five or a seven iron, but I hope that this is as enjoyable just entertainment as... I'm imagining it to be. We've already had better trash talk between Peyton and Brady than we had at the original Tiger Phil one. This one, uh, Peyton threw out that him and Tiger have more championships than Phil and Brady. But Brady, to me, had the best trash talk of all of it. And you'll love this as a Giants fan, where Brady said, I would only be worried if I was playing Eli. I've never had a problem with Peyton. I saw that. That's a good one. That was great. I I, I, I did love that as a Giants fan. I uh, I wonder if like Eli will be there walking the course with these guys. If I wonder if there'll be other celebrities there walking yeah. the course. I think what they got. I think if you're Brady, you put like Giselle in a hot outfit and have her walk the fairway. Tiger just gets distracted, and then you can slide in and take the victory. That would be my strategy. You, you've got a chance there. I mean, if you dress her like a Perkins waitress, you're probably fine. <laughs> you took my joke. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <That's> good. <laughs> but with Brady, yeah. I, I think having Brady and Peyton there is going to loosen things up between Tiger and Phil. Where if they see Peyton and Brady kind of doing some trash talk, I think you can pull Tiger a little bit more out of his shell. Well, Tiger has definitely become more personable in the last few years since, yeah. like, the decline of his career, like the like the like the match with Phil ten years ago. That would have never happened. The joking yeah. around with uh, uh, Kevin Na, the golfer there, pulling yeah. the ball out of the hole quick. Uh, yeah. You know, signing autographs, doing all these shows, laughing. That stuff would have never happened. Yeah. And Phil and Tiger used to be like mortal enemies, and now they seem to be really good. Uh, I wouldn't say really good friends, but they definitely get along with each other yeah. and can appreciate how good the other one is. So it's this would have never happened 10 years ago. Tiger would have never done this. Um, so this is awesome that they're continuing to do this. And Tiger and Phil, I think Tiger and Phil realized that in 10 years, yeah. to guys like you and me, they're going to be the Jack and Arnie Palmer of, of that generation. Maybe yeah. not 10 years, but 15, 20 years. They'll be the ones hitting the opening ceremonial shots at the Masters and stuff like that. So I think they're starting to realize that that's their role. And uh, frankly, their their greatest days of golf are probably behind them. And stuff like this, playing in the majors, is what us as fans want to see. We want to see them play in the majors. We want to see them have fun. This will be good. Who are you rooting for in this? That's my next question. I'm rooting for Peyton and Tiger. Okay. I think... um, so I love Tiger. I'm a huge Manning family guy because Eli's my dude, and I've always liked Peyton. Yeah. So this is tough for me because I do love Phil and Brady. I have a man crush on, as you know. 
I don't know. It might be interesting. I, I'm, I'm torn. I, I, I have to make a decision here. I think I'm leaning Phil and Brady, though. You've always bit, struck me as a big Phil guy. I am a big Phil guy. I love Phil. I always have because I always felt like he played in Tiger's shadow, kind of like when he was like filled with the man boobs. He was my favorite. Yeah. Um, and he kind of seems like a normal guy that you could probably hang out with yeah. more than a lot of other golfers. So that's why I've always liked Phil. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. Who's going to be the favorite? Because I think, I think it's easy. I think Tiger and Peyton will be the favorites because I think Peyton's a better golfer than Brady. You would have to assume that Tiger would be the favorite because he's Tiger. He had a better year last year than Phil did too. For sure, yeah. So. And- I also would assume that Peyton has had more time to play golf in the last three years than Brady has. So I'm assuming Brady or Peyton is a little bit better than Brady. Then all Tom Brady's been doing all summer is breaking into what he assumes is Byron Leftwich's house. Did you see that he was passing with the Buccaneers today, though, the first time him and the teammates got together? No. Were they at the facility or were they just at Uh, his house? He did like one of those Brady Edelman type impromptu workouts. I didn't see if Gronk was there, but I know he was working with some um, some members of the Buccaneers, which is interesting. We talked about this. We don't have to get into an NFL discussion, but I've talked myself into them being good. Like, I talked myself into them winning the NFC, I think. Yeah? Yeah. I just – would. I just – I would like to see – what their win total is in Vegas. I'm sure we can pull that up. We'll have to do that as football gets closer like we did with baseball. We're going to have to revise. We're going to have to think about our baseball picks too. We, oh, we yeah. might have to do a whole new baseball preview show. Our old baseball preview show feels like three years ago. Now there's new divisions. None of our picks count now. There's new divisions. We're going to have to redo it. Yeah, yeah we're going to have to redo it. Um, quickly, I'm a huge horse racing guy. As many of you guys know, the Belmont Stakes announced today, or Belmont Belmont announced that the Belmont Stakes will be held June 20th uh, without fans. Yep. Um, so I am very excited about that. I went to the Belmont, um, what was it now, two years ago yep. when Justify won the Triple Crown. And I'm a horse racing fan, so I was nerding out big time. I went with my wife and one of my, and actually SB, the guy that writes for our yep. site every now and again, and we did the baseball preview show with, he's a huge horse racing guy. He's been to way more races, big races than I have. He's done Breeders' Cup. He's done the Belmont a few times. Um, so he, he, he was already at the Belmont uh, a time before. I think he was there when American Pharaoh won the crown. Um, so he was kind of a veteran. But I went, man, and I'll tell you, that was one of the best sporting events, if not the best sporting event I've ever been to. It was so loud when Justify came down to down the stretch to win the Triple Crown. Um, we had a great spot. We could see everything. But I'll tell you, there was people hanging from the rafters, standing on garbage cans, just trying to get a glimpse of this horse. Um, and if you're ever down there, if, if they do allow fans sometime this year or next, make sure you check out King Umberto's best Italian restaurant. One of the best Italian restaurants I've ever had. The best in that area for sure. So the, check that out. The big change to the Belmont though, they're running one and one eighth miles rather than one and a half. So it's yeah. a drastically shorter race this time. Right, so that changes like all sports will, and you know, horse racing is a sport. Uh, it's gonna change a lot of the record books. So, you know, throw out the throw out the best times ever. 
uh, at the Belmont because it's now all different. Um, it will obviously affect the race. The only good thing is that the, that, that the horses that will be at the Belmont really haven't taken any time off. They've been running uh, amidst uh, all this COVID stuff. They've been going and um, they've been racing every day. Uh, so all these tracks. But now, if you're back in New York, if you're a Naira fan, all those tracks are going to open without fans. Governor Cuomo gave them the green light. So Saratoga, um, Belmont, uh, Aqueduct, they will all open uh, without fans as of right now. Things might change, and hopefully we get some fans later in the summer. But as of right now, no fans. All right. Uh, before we wrap up, we do have to talk about the last dance. The last dance has finally come to an end. The five-week, ten-part uh, docuseries about Jordan and the in the nineties bulls. Uh, what do you give it out of five? I give it a 4.6. I think I thought it was very well done. Yeah. I, I probably like 4.75. I think that this one, as soon as I finished watching it, I never wanted to watch another documentary again. I wanted to end documentaries to me at this high level. Like Jordan should have ended after he made the shot over Byron Russell, Byron Russell. Just, this is it now. That's the last and best documentary I'll ever see. Yeah, it was good, man. I liked it a lot. I thought it was the best one they've done since the OJ Made in America, which wasn't... Was that a 30 for 30? Was that just an ESPN film? I think it was 30 for 30. Whatever, it was an ESPN documentary. That, to me, is the best documentary I've ever seen. This would probably be number two in terms of a lengthy type of documentary. This was incredible. Um, They didn't shy away from anything. They talked about the gambling. They talked about the tragic death of Michael's father. They talked about whether or not he got thrown out of the league for two years. They badmouthed Jerry Krause. Um, they told all the stories, the war stories. Jordan was was as candid as you could possibly ever be. Yep. Even his teammates, Steve Kerr. Uh, um, Horace uh, Grant. Horace Grant, thank you. You knew where I was going. Um, all those guys were candid, told the stories that we all wanted to hear. And I wrote a blog about it. Yeah. Look, uh, we're not a show to where we're going to just grab the low-hanging fruit and get into the LeBron-Jordan debate. But if you ever have any – but I'm going to grab it now. Because if you have any doubt in your mind that Michael Jordan is second to anyone in terms of a basketball player, you're crazy. And I hope this documentary reminded everyone just how phenomenal Jordan was on the court but how impactful he was off the court. And they did a study on ESPN after this, not saying that it's the end-all be-all. They did 10 metrics, right? Offensive player, who would you rather have as your teammate? Uh, Better passer, better scorer. Who would win one-on-one? Jordan won all 10 categories. It's not close. LeBron, yes, exciting. LeBron, dominant, yes, no doubt about it. Generational talent, yes. Best player, of my generation, yes. He's not Michael Jordan, and it's not even close. And I think this documentary hopefully reminded everyone just how unbelievable Michael Jordan actually was. You can start to get the feeling in this documentary that Michael Jordan misses busting people's asses so bad. So bad. But it's one of those things where mentally, I'm sure he believes that if his body didn't fail him, he could have played forever. Well, I personally think that they premature. I, I, I actually wrote this in my blog. They prematurely ended the dynasty. If yeah. you don't think that they could have, 
he could have played four more years. He yeah. took two years off and then went back and played two more. He could have played four more years. Would he have been as dominant? No, he got... But I went back and looked up his wizard stats. He was still averaging 25 points a game when he was 40-something yeah. years old. It's not like he was a slouch by any means at all. And 99, you're telling me they wouldn't have beat that Spurs team if they brought everybody back? They definitely would have. And they were better than all those teams that came out of the East in 2000, 2001, and 2002 that went up against the Lakers. They would have had trouble with the Lakers. But I think he would have won two in four years. I think he would have had eight eight titles. I really do. These last two episodes, one, the first one was the Steve Kerr game winner, and he has to bail out Michael again, which was a great speech. Uh, the Kerr told the, like, and I didn't expect the documentary to get into this, the heartbreaking story of Steve Kerr's dad getting shot in Lebanon as an no American ambassador. Yeah. Did you know that before the documentary? I knew that he was killed. I didn't know he was a professor. I thought he was the U.S. ambassador to Lebanon. Mm. Like, I missed, missed, missed up his story a little, but I didn't know that Kerr's father was killed while he was at Arizona. Yeah, I was shocked by that. That was heartbreaking. You could tell that, yeah. that you know, that was tough for him to talk about. And they had Steve Kerr's mom on there. I yeah. thought that was, and the crazy thing was that he said that him and Michael never talked about it because he thought it was emotional for both of them. But yeah. it's pretty crazy to have two guys on such a legendary team like that yeah. go through that same type of heartbreak and tragedy like both of those guys went through. It's yeah. pretty wild. Um, what else was a good takeaway from, oh. Rodman going to be a pro wrestler in the middle of the NBA Finals. Amazing. <laughs> like, it doesn't get any better than that. And you know what? This is why Jordan is such a great leader, right? He was tough on everybody, right? He yeah. punched Steve Kerr. Who else did he punch? Bill Cartwright, right? Somebody. Yeah. Uh, the only guy he wasn't hard on was Dennis because he knew that if he pushed too hard with Dennis, Dennis would just never come back. So yeah. he let Dennis do his thing. Phil Jackson let him do his thing. That's why that team is so good. That's why Phil doesn't yeah. get enough credit because you're managing all those egos. Yeah. He managed all the egos with the Lakers. And that's what managing or being a head coach really is all about, handling personalities. Yeah. There's nobody better than Phil than that. Phil got sent into a shit situation with the Knicks that no one's ever going to succeed in because it's the goddamn curse franchise and just sucks the yeah. life out of everyone. But if you're talking head coach, there's nobody better than Phil, I don't think. Yeah. Not in a long time, not since Red Arbach, maybe. But I think you got to give Phil his due, man. Phil, Phil knows his stuff. That these last couple episodes here, Jordan finding out that Carl Malone won the MVP, and he was just like, "Well, they think he's the MVP," like, and then he took it out on Jerry Sloan and the Jazz for something the sports writers did. Yeah, that's what he did the whole time. Like that point guard from Puerto Rico who he just like made up a story in his head to go out and like destroy the guy in the Olympics. Oh, uh, another thing, procrastinationsports.com where you can find our blog. Way ahead of the um, of the flu game that wasn't a flu game. Yeah. We wrote a blog uh, a few months back yeah. before this even was announced that it was being released early that in our sports conspiracy series that – Jordan didn't have the flu. He was food poisoned by the pizza. And what do we get in this documentary? Confirmation that it was definitely food poisoning. 
So, pat on our backs. Jordan should have fired the first guy who said, let's get a pizza at 1 a.m. in Utah. What an outrageous. You're worth a billion dollars, Mike. Yeah, you can't get... And so here's the <laughs> other thing, too. This is why, to me, the flu game, like, is... The, like, this is one of the holes in my theory that it was poison pizza. Like, why wouldn't they just have the trainer call and be like, the pizza's for me? How did they know the pizza was for Michael Jordan? That's... Because they said the five guys showed up to deliver the pizza. Yeah. Why didn't the trainer just go to his room and be like, hey, I need a pizza. This is John Smith, like the trainer, like or whatever the guy's name was that was the trainer. Pick up the pizza across the street at the gas station, dude. Like, hey, I'm at the mobile station across the street. Large cheese. Yeah. Like, why have it brought to Jordan's room? That's the thing I don't understand. Then, because he's the greatest basketball player of all time, eats the entire pizza by himself. They said other guys in the room wanted pizza. Jordan was so hungry, he grabbed the pizza box. This is what I read after. Jordan yeah. talked about it. that, But they just didn't put it in the documentary. That Jordan said he was so hungry, he grabbed the pizza, opened it up, and spit all over it. <laughs> so that nobody else would eat it because he was so hungry. So that's why nobody else ate the pizza. Yeah. Which is an interesting story. But he... Um, I thought it was funny that the following year, uh, with with Pippen having the back problems, yeah, he, Pippen knew he couldn't pull another migraine game like he did against the Pistons eight years earlier. <laughs> like he had to be out there; he couldn't even walk. Yeah, and he was like, "This is Mike's last game. He'll kill me if I'm not out there." Yeah, and he just he just sucked it up without being able to move practically. You could almost like sense that if he didn't go back out there. MJ would have said something we would have found out about years later, like, huh, migraine in your back, huh? Like, he would have torched yeah, exactly. it. So, like, he had There's to come back. Pettiness, yeah. And this kind of gets into the thing with Jordan at the end where they give him the iPad, and Jerry Reinsdorf was like, <laughs> I didn't want any of them back, you know? And Mike was just like, if you would have gave everybody a one-year deal, we all would have came back, and we would have ran it back for four. Look, it's crazy to me because... What Jerry Reinsdorf said made sense. He said that they couldn't pay guys like uh, Rodman and uh, Ron Harper because they were on these teams, so they were going to get more money than what they were actually worth. Yeah. Right? Like, people thought, oh, they're part of this dynasty. Let's go get them. So guys like Kerr, Harper, Rodman. Rodman was – I mean, Rodman's a Hall of Fame player, but he was at the end of his career. Um, but they were going to get more money than they were worth. Yep. So that's why Michael brought up the point. He's like, yeah, maybe, but if you gave us all one-year deals, the money wouldn't have mattered. You could have started your bullshit rebuild after we didn't win the seventh, if, yep. after we didn't win the fourth in a row. And I think they just wanted to keep going until they were dethroned, yep. which I think they would have won in 99. I don't think that I, – I mean, the Spurs beat the Knicks, who were an eight seed. Yep. They beat them in five. I mean, I think Jordan's Bulls, if they all came back, would have dismantled that Spurs team. They were young. The Spurs were a great team. but they were And that was a strike-shortened year, so Pippen would have been back from his back surgery. Jordan would have had less games on the legs. They yeah. all would have. I mean, they would have been pretty tough to beat. Um, and Kerr wins two more with San Antonio. He wouldn't have been on the San Antonio team that won in 99. But yeah. Pippen's, we spoke about this earlier. Pippen had a great career afterward. Ron Harper had a pretty decent career afterward. 
the only coach. one of all of those people who didn't play well afterward, I think Rodman played 35 career games afterward, but he didn't have Phil or anybody to make sure he wasn't pro Dennis wrestling and gambling. Yeah. And Yeah. I mean, Dennis went and won three in a row, did his thing, and then yeah. was just looking to get paid and hang out with Carmen yeah. Electra while while it came to the end of the road. Yeah, so, yeah. I, uh, I, I think the that. biggest part of Jordan's thing is would Pippen have come back? Because he was mad about the money for two years. So I don't know if Pippen would have come back for one unless Jordan took a pay cut. See, I don't think Pippen would have would have come back regardless because he realized he needed to sign like a five-year deal and get paid. Yeah. Like he did with the like, Rockets. What did you say a couple episodes ago? That when he went, he went to the Rockets and then to the Trailblazers, yeah. right? But when he went to the Rockets, the contract was for more money than he made in his entire career. Yeah. It was I mean, five years and 64, I think. Which was astronomical money back then. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, then you would have just had Tony Kukoc have to play more minutes and be like that guy, which I think he could have filled into that role okay. Yeah. I think they would have won in 99. But I think I would have loved to see 2000 if they hung around and were still playing well. Lakers, Bulls, yeah. kind of like the way this dynasty dynasty started with Lakers, Bulls, yeah. uh, Magic being the Jordan in this future scenario, um, or Jordan being the Magic. Um, yeah. I think that would have been interesting to see the Jordan Bulls against the Shaq and Kobe Lakers. Yeah, but who knows how that would have would Phil have been there if they came? You know, like it's a, yeah. like would the Lakers have gone on their run without Phil? Um, a lot of people say no because like Phil came in and like controlled everything there. So it's crazy that if they stayed together, how different that could have all been. So yeah. it was a great documentary, though. Um, Absolutely. And uh, I hope the new handing the person in the documentary an iPad of other people's interviews doesn't go anywhere. That was the best part of the whole thing: watching Jordan react and laugh in everyone's face. Yeah. Still hating Isaiah. Pretty much calling Gary Payton delusional, saying Jerry Reinsdorf should have given us all these one-year deals. All the best parts, really, well, came out of him looking at the doc yeah. or looking at the iPad. Um, is Jordan the greatest player of all time in your mind? Yeah, I mean the the way he views basketball is so much radically different than LeBron's, where you would feel, and I somebody said this online, you always felt like Jordan was going to win. There have been times where you felt right. that LeBron wasn't going to win. There right. were times where you like Spurs, yeah. understood that. But there was never a time with Michael Jordan where you thought he was going to lose. I also think people don't realize how hard it is to win three in a row and then to win six in eight years. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think the Shaq and Kobe Lakers are a little underrated as well. I mean, they won three in a row. That's no easy task. But LeBron won two out of four with a super team with the Heat. And I've always said this. This, to me, is why he can't be the greatest. Because at this point in his career, he's not going to win six. He's just not going to do it. Um, I would be shocked if he won three more. Um, But he lost to the Dallas Mavericks. They are the worst team to ever win an NBA championship, maybe. Jason um, Kidd had him in Alcatraz. Yeah, and Jason Kidd was 40 years old. Yeah. And, I mean, that to me is an example of why 
and this people always get on me because I am a LeBron basher, but I'm not in the sense that I don't appreciate. Like I appreciate LeBron of how good he is and yeah. how dominant he is, and just he's a freak of nature. But he's just not Michael, and to me, he's still in the top five players of all time. Yeah. That's not a bad place to be, but he's just not Michael, and it's 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 not close. Uh, Michael won six with a retirement in between and then an early retirement because they didn't want to bring back his guys. Um, Jordan is a better teammate, I think. I think he's a better motivator. And frankly, winning six and being the finals MVP all six times is remarkable. And I've always said that LeBron losing to the Mavericks and then the whole getting bailed out by the horrible shot rebound by Bosch, kick out to Allen game, and then winning with Draymond being suspended. I don't know. I just don't think it's even a contest. I think when if you want to be the greatest, you have to be the greatest in the biggest games. Yeah. And Michael was that. Like he took the last shot. He made the last shot. He never let it go to a game seven. How crazy is that? Six yeah. finals never got to a game seven. It's pretty Pretty remarkable what he was able to do. And the quality of the opponents that he defeated. Magic Johnson, Showtime Lakers, Clyde Drexler. He took out the Utah Jazz team with the all-time assists and steals guy in Stockton. Number two all-time in points in Malone. A Hall of Famer in Barkley. Barkley, Gary Payton, Sean Kemp. All of those guys. I would say... I would say that the worst team he beat was probably the Portland? Suns. Oh, Portland yeah, or the Suns, yeah. The Suns weren't bad, though. They had some good yeah. play. Portland probably was yeah. the worst team that he beat. And that led say. to a great moment in the documentary, too, where Michael was pissed off that people thought he was, that Clyde Drexler was as good as him. Yeah, and Clyde Drexler was like 37 years old at the time. Yeah. Right? Yeah, he was pretty old then, too. Yeah, which is like... Mike is just awesome. He's just, I think this documentary was just awesome to just see how big of a savage this guy actually is. Like, he will rip your heart out to win a basketball game, and that's why I love him. Even, um, they said the, the George Carl thing, where he made up that George Carl didn't say hi to him at a restaurant, and he kept telling himself that so much that he believed that it happened. And the trainer was like, George Carl wasn't even there. That's our second George Costanza reference. Like, it's what Costanza says. It's only a lie... Or what is it? It's not a lie if you believe it. So yeah. It's like Jordan literally talked himself into it. <laughs> um, all right, man. Anything else for the people? No, send it all. Good stuff. That was a good show. We got it. We we, we covered a lot. Um, we'll be back next week, episode 19. Slowly approaching episode 20, Michael. Oh. Getting close. We're right there. That's big. That's big. So episode 19 next week. Again, this episode was brought to you by Quite on Q. Quite on Q is a brand new Twitch stream focusing on role-playing games. If you're interested in watching some of the best stories unfold with an entertaining and talented streamer, check out Quite on Q. For those looking for a more competitive stream, check out his stream on FPS Fridays where the focus has shifted to first-person first shooter games. Q streams on evenings during the week, usually from 8p to 10p for a more definite schedule. Subscribe on YouTube and follow him on all socials at Quite on Q. Q-U-I-T-E-O-N-Q. And be sure to check out his stream at twitch.tv slash quite on Q. That's quite like right on Q. Uh, this podcast also brought to you by procrastinationsports.com. 
check out the blog and podcast on ProcrastinationSports.com and on Spotify, search Procrastination Sports or The Corner Booth. All right, that's it for episode 18. For Mulraney and I, we'll be back next, uh, next week, episode 19. Thanks, everybody. We love you. Thank you.